Hey everybody and welcome into episode 38 of Jake's Take. I am Jake Heller. Appreciate you guys tuning in once again. Thank you for all of your support. The time has finally arrived, folks. Super wildcard weekend is here. Three games Saturday, three games on Sunday. It does not get any better than this. I appreciate you guys tuning in. I appreciate all the support on the Jake's Take podcast page on Facebook. Be sure to tell all your friends about it. So before we dive into the three games for Saturday and the three games for Sunday, obviously some NFL coaching notes to take care of. As we know, there were three in-season head coaching changes. Bill O'Brien was fired from the Houston Texans October 5th. Romeo Cronell became the interim head coach. Dan Quinn was fired from the Atlanta Falcons October 11th. Raheem Morris, interim head coach. I thought he did a really good job. And Matt Patricia of the Detroit Lions, two days after their Thanksgiving game, he was relieved of his duties. Daryl Bevel, their offensive coordinator. To me, Detroit seemed like they had more life in them with Daryl Bevel instead of Matt Patricia. Now, obviously, these three teams, they have a head start on everyone else. They've been conducting some interviews And obviously, one of the bigger stories, as we know, Deshaun Watson, very, very unhappy with the way that things are being run at the Houston Texans. I mean, can you blame him? You know, back in March, your top receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, gets traded to the Arizona Cardinals. And you get, in exchange, David Johnson. And, you know, to me, Deshaun Watson, I feel like he's very talented, but I feel like he is on a very, very poorly run team. And obviously, you could hear the frustration in his voice them hiring Nick Casario from the New England Patriots to to be their new general manager. So I could definitely understand the frustration there. Raheem Morris. Raheem Morris, yesterday, Jane Slater of NFL Network said that the Dallas Cowboys have relieved their defensive coordinator, Mike Nolan, and one of their assistant coaches, Jim Tom Sula, of their duties. And one of the names that the Dallas Cowboys might be interested in is Raheem Morris. And obviously, he's got a very, very good chance of having the interim tag removed. Detroit Lions, like everyone on NFL Network has been saying, they have brought Robert Sala in for an interview. So that remains to be seen. Now, Sunday night during halftime of the Washington Eagles game, the New York Jets, to no surprise, they fired Adam Gase. After a 9-23 and record in his two seasons with the New York Jets, this year going 2-14. and And then Monday morning, the Jacksonville Jaguars relieved Doug Marone of his duties. I think that was long overdue in my opinion. And looking back on it, I would have to say the 2017 Jacksonville Jaguars, without a doubt, the greatest one-year wonder in NFL history. I mean, think about it. Doug Marone, he was promoted to interim head coach their Christmas Eve game in 2016 against the Tennessee Titans they beat them pretty much ruined Tennessee's playoff hopes so obviously he was promoted to full-time head coach for 2017 and what a season they had but look at all the people and all the talent that have left Leonard Fournette Jalen Ramsey Yannick Nandakwe look at how much of a mess that became, and that locker room especially, became very, very toxic. Now, or or later today, excuse me, sure enough, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they will be bringing in Urban Meyer for an interview. But me personally, I really don't know if he's going to take that job. I mean, Urban Meyer, he's asking for $12 million a year. And this is the same guy that, you know, in my opinion, pretty much screwed the Florida Gators and the Ohio State Buckeyes. When it came time to stepping down, you know, he stepped down at the University of Florida. 
you know, saying that he was having health issues, he was never going to coach again, and then just a couple months later, he signs with Ohio State. So honestly, I really can't trust Urban Meyer, in my opinion. And, you know, Colin Coward, he said it himself that, let's face it, what if Urban Meyer does take the job with Jacksonville, and they go 2-14, and and he bails after one season? And we've seen it so many times in the NFL, these college coaches, successful college coaches, you know, they take a shot at the NFL and they either get fired or resign. Look at Lou Holtz, all of the amazing success that he had with the University of Notre Dame. He went to the New York Jets in 1976, didn't even finish the season. Bobby Petrino, the Atlanta Falcons in 2007, what a mess that was. You know, he quit with just a couple games left to go. So obviously, I really don't know if Urban Meyer is really going to become the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then later that morning on Monday, without a doubt, the most lucrative deal out of the six teams that are looking for head coaches, the Los Angeles Chargers fired Anthony Lynn after going 7-9 and nine this past season and after beating the Kansas City Chiefs 38-21, granted Patrick Mahomes and all the starters, they were out, but still... Obviously, the amazing rookie season that Justin Herbert had being thrown right into the lineup week two against the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, Tyrod Taylor with that that freak injury that he had with his ribs just before the game. So without a doubt, the Los Angeles Chargers, it's definitely the most lucrative job of the six that are available as far as head coaches are concerned. Speaking of the Kansas City Chiefs, obviously this year with the NFL playoff field being expanded to 14 teams compared to 12 and only two teams getting a first round by sure enough in the AFC the Kansas City Chiefs at 14 and 2 they have a bye this weekend along with the Green Bay Packers in the NFC they went 13 and 3 on the season so let's dive into it the three wild card games for Saturday 105 on CBS Ian Eagle and Charles Davis with the call the 11-5 Indianapolis Colts, the seventh seed in the AFC, versus the 13-3 Buffalo Bills, the second seed in the AFC. And as I'm sure you guys remember from my last couple of shows, my pick to go to the Super Bowl, and also Josh Allen, my pick for NFL MVP. Joshua MVP Allen, as Jason Boone likes to say. Now, the Indianapolis Colts, they did get in this past Sunday beating the Jacksonville Jaguars 28-14. to It's no surprise there. But the Indianapolis Colts, as I said in the last show, there was a possibility that they could have gone 11-5 and and missed the playoffs. Obviously, the Miami Dolphins and how much they struggled against the Buffalo Bills, that pretty much opened the door for Indianapolis to make the playoffs. Now, one of the stories throughout last weekend is Phillip Rivers. 17th NFL season, his first with the Colts after 16 years with the Los Angeles Chargers. There was a lot of retirement rumors over the weekend about Phillip Rivers. You know, this might possibly be it. And Phillip Rivers, we know that aw shucks Southern personality that he has, he'd be perfect for TV. And there is some talk. It's two options. Either one, stay with the Indianapolis Colts. This is only a one-year contract. And obviously, he has a very, very close relationship with Frank Reich, their head coach, just like Carson Wentz does. So either A, stay with the Indianapolis Colts, or B, 
retire and do TV work. I don't know what network it would be, whether it would be CBS, Fox, NBC, ESPN, even NFL Network. Who knows? That remains to be seen. But the Indianapolis Colts, you know, a lot has been made over the years about their passing attack, but really the running game this year, especially. And Jonathan Taylor, who they got in the NFL draft, 30 carries, 253 yards, and two touchdowns against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And of course, T.Y. Hilton, Michael Pittman, Naeem Hines, one of the best pass-catching backs in the NFL. Now, when you look at the Buffalo Bills, obviously the offense, you know, it centers around Josh Allen. And let's not forget, going into today, Stephon Diggs, who was named to the NFL All-Pro team yesterday, Stephon Diggs has been dealing with an oblique injury for several weeks now, but it sounds like he will give it a go. And also Cole Beasley, the leg injury that he suffered the Monday night game against the New England Patriots. So obviously the Indianapolis Colts, like Cynthia Freeland said, you know, they are very, very well with their man-to-man coverage. And also, look at some some of the pass rushers that they have as well. And you know today that guys like Darius Leonard, Kenny Moore, DeForest Buckner, who they got in a trade from the San Francisco 49ers, you know those guys are going to be after Josh Allen. And, I mean, especially with how mobile and athletic he really is. I mean, he's great with his arm, but he's great with his legs too. So for the Indianapolis Colts, you know, I think they do have a shot to win this game, but they need to apply pressure on Josh Allen and not let him escape out of the pocket and take off with his legs like he's been able to do several times. So, and then Xavier Rhodes, I would imagine that he will be paired up with Stephon Diggs. That's a matchup that I'm really, really looking forward to. And of course, you look at the Buffalo Bills, I mean, what a... 56 points against the Miami Dolphins, who, you know, arguably had one of the best defenses in the NFL this year. And, you know, it's always that debate. Do you rest your starters? Do you keep them in? What do you do? And last year, last year, Sean McDermott, head coach of the Buffalo Bills, you know, he made the decision to rest Josh Allen and all the starters week 17 against the New York Jets. And, I mean, really, when you think of it, it, it kind of bit them. You know, that wild card game against the Houston Texans, you're up by 16 points, and you end up blowing it. So Josh Allen, this past Sunday against the Miami Dolphins, 224 yards and three touchdowns. And what a game for Gabriel Davis. His presence has pretty much emerged ever since John Brown spent some time on injured reserve. He's back. He caught a touchdown. Isaiah McKenzie, he got two touchdowns. And, you know, the the thing with the Buffalo Bills is the last few years, their running game was so strong, but it's been kind of non-existent this year. But Antonio Williams, you know, he got two touchdowns on Sunday against the Miami Dolphins. So obviously, Gabriel Davis, John Brown is back, Isaiah McKenzie, Dawson Knox, you know, Stephon Diggs, it'll be interesting to see how he performs with this injury. And of course, Cole Beasley, it sounds like he is is ready to go. And we all know how much of a turnover machine Philip Rivers has somewhat been throughout his career. So it'll be interesting to see if, you know, if the Buffalo Bills can create some turnovers. Because honestly, I really feel like between the two teams, you know, obviously Buffalo has arguably the best offense in the NFL right now. But Indianapolis, I feel, has one of the better defenses in the NFL. So with that being said, I'm going to take 
the Buffalo Bills 31 to 28 over the Indianapolis Colts. And like I said, if this is the end of the line for Phillip Rivers, one of my favorite players to watch. And obviously, you know, Kyle Williams, he would know being a Raiders fan and having to go up against Phillip Rivers twice a year for, for well over a decade. And Kyle said last week, he said if this is it, he said that he always enjoyed the trash talking that Philip Rivers would do. And I mean, especially when Jay Cutler was on the Denver Broncos. So nevertheless, you know, both me and Kyle Williams were both hoping that Philip Rivers can come back for one more year. But if he doesn't, man, he would be a natural on TV. 440 on Fox, the 12 and 4 Seattle Seahawks hosting the 9 and 7 Los Angeles Rams. Seahawks, NFC West champions. They're the third seed in the NFC. The Rams, the sixth seed. This game is on Fox, obviously. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, they will be providing the call. And Seattle, the weird thing about Seattle is, like I said in the last show, the beginning of the year, they looked like the favorites to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. Russell Wilson looked like the favorite for NFL MVP. And, I mean, really – that performance has regressed badly, I would say, over the last two months. And this past Sunday, I mean, 26-23, barely beating the San Francisco 49ers who were playing in Arizona. Russell Wilson didn't even have 200 yards on the day. And this is with a lot of – everyone talks about how vaunted the 49ers' defense has been and how great they are, and especially their front. And so many guys this year on injured reserve. And Russell Wilson – didn't even have 200 yards against him, and he had two touchdowns. Granted, they were to Tyler Lockett, but look at look at how DK Metcalf, how his performance has dropped off. Three catches, 21 yards against the San Francisco 49ers, and the running game too. You know, the running game, Seattle has always been a little bit of a running team as well. I mean, look at those Super Bowl teams with Marshawn Lynch, but Chris Carson, only 44 yards against the 49ers. Russell Wilson himself, only 29 yards and Rashad Penny, only 19. So that offensive line, like Kyle Williams has said, you know, he follows the Seahawks a lot. Russell Wilson has pretty much carried that offense on his back for several years now when you think of it because that offensive line, I would say for the last four years especially, has been really, really poor. Now with the Los Angeles Rams, there are a lot of question marks around Jared Goff. As we know, the last time these two teams met, Week 16, December 27th in Seattle, how Jared Goff, how he injured the thumb on his throwing arm. And, you know, he had to have surgery. And John Walford had to start this past Sunday for the Los Angeles Rams. And when in here in, I mean, 10-6 and six on the year, 18-7 victory over the Arizona Cardinals. And... I told you guys all year long, I did not buy into the Arizona hype whatsoever. You know, and Kyler Murray himself, two games in a row, he, he got banged up. And John Walford, I thought, had a respectable game. I mean, 231 yards, 56 rushing yards. But obviously with the Rams these past several years, a lot has centered around the rushing attack. You know, Todd Gurley, I know he's with Atlanta right now. But Daryl Henderson, he's banged up. Cam Akers only had 34 yards after that miraculous Thursday night game that he had against the New England Patriots the beginning of December. You know, Malcolm Brown, only 20 rushing yards. And, of course, the other one of the other big stories in all of this was how 
they were without Cooper Cup last weekend because he was on the COVID list. So, you know, Robert Woods, I mean, that's one of the the best one-two punches in the NFL as far as receivers go, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. But he only had 36 yards against the Cardinals. So I look at today, and obviously I'm really, really looking forward to the DK Metcalf-Jalen Ramsey matchup. I mean, me personally, I do feel like, you know, Jalen Ramsey has somewhat had his number these these last several years, but I feel like it's time for Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf to step up after some, I would say, some pretty underperforming weeks for about the past month or so. But of course, we can't forget about Aaron Donald, who in my mind is undoubtedly TJ Watt's biggest threat as far as defensive player of the year goes. We all know how he has to be, you know, double and triple covered in these games and obviously with Seattle's offensive line being kind of poor I do feel like Aaron Donald will get to Russell Wilson at least two or or three times in this game I really do Leonard Floyd I mean that's another playmaker for the Rams defense but ultimately like I said so many question marks and especially with John Walford you know if he is the one that is going to be starting a quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams I have to take the Seattle Seahawks 28-13. Saturday night football, NBC, Mike Tirico and Tony Dungy with the call. The 11-5 Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the 7-9 Washington football team. It's pretty surreal to think that tonight, Tom Brady, without a doubt, the most successful playoff quarterback in NFL history, Once again, yeah, another playoff game, but this time with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after all those years and two decades of dominance with the New England Patriots. And obviously, I think without a doubt, that was the biggest storyline going into 2020, well before COVID-19 happened, obviously. But, you know, Tom Brady leaving the New England Patriots, going to Tampa Bay, and Obviously, one of the major storylines has been that relationship with himself and Bruce Arians. And we know Bruce Arians, he's a lot like my father. He is not afraid to sugarcoat his feelings. He's not afraid to tell you if you screwed up. He will speak his mind. He doesn't give a damn. And, you know, obviously with COVID, with no preseason, with all these virtual workouts, it's very, very hard to learn a new offense. It really is. And I mean, when when Tom Brady was in New England, a lot of that stuff was, was just dink and dunk when you think of it. With Bruce Arians, as I said, a Bruce Arians offense, whether it was Peyton Manning, the beginning of his career, Ben Roethlisberger, the first seven years of his career, Andrew Luck, Carson Palmer, and now with Tom Brady, it is a deep ball, air it out kind of offense. And obviously it took Tom Brady a while to get adjusted to it. And as we know, Bruce Arians was not afraid to call Tom Brady out when he would underthrow receivers, when he would get sacked. Obviously, when you're 43 years old, you know, you don't want to take those kind of hits like you did when you were 27. But I would say ever since the bye week, ever since him and Tom Brady, they had a chance to air their grievances out well before Festivus. But ever since that bye week, Tom Brady is finally starting to throw the ball for well over 300 yards. You're starting to see that deep ball. You're starting to see that arm 
be able to sling it down the field to guys like Mike Evans, but obviously that's one of the biggest question marks going into tonight. Mike Evans, is he healthy? Is he going to be available? Bruce Arians said that this is pretty much going to be a game-time decision. But even then, obviously Tom Brady has that security blanket with Rob Gronkowski all those years together in New England. You have Chris Godwin, 133 yards and two touchdowns on Sunday against the Atlanta Falcons, one of the better defenses ever since Raheem Morris took over as head coach. And then how about Antonio Brown? How about Antonio Brown? 11 catches, 138 yards, and two touchdowns. This past Sunday against the Falcons, really looking like 2014 Antonio Brown when you think of it. So obviously, even with so many question marks around the status of Mike Evans, I feel like Tom has that full complementary of weapons. And let's not forget, too, Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. Ronald Jones was finally activated off of the COVID list, 78 yards on a touchdown last Sunday against Atlanta. And obviously, a lot of talk going into tonight is going to focus on Washington's defense. And I feel like Tampa's defense themselves has been pretty respectable. But Levante David, he's out. Antoine, but Antoine Winfield Jr., Ndamukong Sue, Jason Pierre-Paul, I feel like Tampa's defense can really, and I mean really, step up to the plate. Because guess what? Alex Smith, that calf injury, it has honestly gotten worse as the week has gone on. And you want to talk about game time decisions. Ron Rivera a few days ago said that there was a possibility of rotating quarterbacks between Alex Smith and Tyler Heineke. But with the calf injury, it has not gotten any better. And it's starting to sound more and more likely that Tyler Heineke is going to have to start against the Washington football team. And like I said, going up against guys like that, like Ndamukong Sue and Jason Pierre-Paul, that could be absolute hell for him. Because Bruce Arians, Bruce Arians had an, an excellent compliment for Alex Smith, who undoubtedly is going to be NFL Comeback Player of the Year. There's no question about that. And, you know, and Bruce Arians said that you know a lot of people – or making a big stink about Washington's record being 7-9. and nine. And Bruce Arians said, we're not playing a 7-9 and nine team. We're playing a 4-1 and one team. That's their record ever since Alex Smith took over at quarterback. And think about it for a second. And that's not a knock on Dwayne Haskins. That's not a knock on Tyler Heineke. That just shows, honestly, that shows. So many people have talked about it. My good friend Rich Kaminsky, the late great L.A. Tyrone, a lot of people have talked about really how underrated of a quarterback Alex Smith is. And really, I mean, one of the more accurate quarterbacks in NFL history when you think of it. I mean, this is a guy, you know, historically, his completion percentage is, has been high 60s, low 70s. And granted, you know, a lot of it is a lot of dink and dunk, dink and dunk stuff, excuse me. But I feel like, you know, he does a good job taking care of the ball. I mean, he did have two interceptions Sunday night against the Philadelphia Eagles, but obviously we know his connection to tight ends, whether it was San Francisco, Kansas City, now Washington, Logan Thomas. I feel like if Alex Smith could play, I feel like obviously he's going to be very, very limited as far as his mobility goes. But I feel like him and Logan Thomas, I feel like that could be a good connection. Scary Terry McLaurin, he's going to be able to go. He had a touchdown Sunday night against Philadelphia. And Antonio Gibson. I'm curious to see how Antonio Gibson is going to do against Tampa's front. But obviously, we have to talk about Washington's front. And Chase Young, second overall pick in the 2020 NFL Draft, 
how he said, you know, I want Tom Brady. I want Tom Brady. And, you know, obviously Skip Bayless, you know, he made a bigger deal out of it than it was expected to be. But And Bruce Arians himself said, be careful what you wish for. But, I mean, Chase Young, without a doubt, NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. And not just him, but that front with Montez Sweat, with Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen, we all know you give, <clears throat> excuse me, you give time to Tom Brady, he will burn you down the field. You give him time to stand there in that pocket and sling the ball down the field, you're, you're going to have a long night. But as we saw in the two Super Bowls that he lost to the New York Giants, you apply pressure to him, you have a chance to win this game because Tom Brady, you know, he is not a very mobile quarterback. And really, I think, I think he gets scared more than anything. I really do. I feel like he gets scared when constant pressure is applied. And Chase Young, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Ryan Kerrigan especially – I feel like they will have a chance to get to Tom Brady several times tonight throughout this game. But at the same time, like I said, the possibility of having to rely on Tyler Heineke instead of Alex Smith, I think this game could get out of hand in the second half. So I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 30-13. to Now we move to Sunday. The 11-5 Tennessee Titans. Woo! Against the 11-5 Baltimore Ravens, this game will be on ABC and ESPN. And the Monday Night Crew, Steve Levy, Lewis Riddick, Brian Greasy, they will provide the call. Now, last year we all remember Lamar Action Jackson, 14-2, NFL MVP. But we also remember, as I talk about, how much of a disadvantage you could be when you rest your starters week 17. And you go back to that game, the divisional game with the Titans and the Ravens, and really how horrible of a performance Lamar Jackson had and how the Titans prevailed 28-12 to when pretty much nobody, you know, probably with the exception of Sean Rosansky and Gerald Schmansky, really no one else in the world was giving the Tennessee Titans a chance to beat the Baltimore Ravens. And like I talk about, this is the problem that you have when you rest your starters. But obviously, you know, the Baltimore Ravens, they went on that skid. They had the COVID outbreak around Thanksgiving. They were 6-5. and five. They had no choice. They had to win. One loss would, would have ended it all. And they ran the table, and they have gotten hot at the right time. Now, granted, they beat the Cincinnati Bengals 38-3, but still, like I said, it's all about getting hot at the right time. And how crazy is it ever since Lamar Jackson – left the Monday night game against the Cleveland Browns for cramps, as they they claim it was, his performance has really turned around. Now, here's the deal. A lot of – when I look at the Baltimore Ravens, the thing with Lamar Jackson is it all depends on what he does with his legs instead of his arm. You know, he had three passing touchdowns on Sunday against the Bengals, but he he only threw for 113 yards. Let's face it, the Baltimore Ravens, their existence, their bread and butter, they have always been more of a running team instead of a passing team. Now, when they won their second Super Bowl, you know, with Joe Flacco, obviously they were more of a passing team then. But, you know, me, in my opinion, I always felt like it was people like Anquan Bolden that made Joe Flacco look better than what he really was. Anyway, Lamar Jackson, 97 rushing yards, 
this past Sunday against the Cincinnati Bengals. But how about J.K. Dobbins, who they got in the draft this year? 160 yards and two touchdowns. And obviously him, Gus Edwards, like me and Boone talked about, I feel like Mark Ingram, they have slowly, and I mean slowly, started to phase him out of the offense. And I, I think he'll be playing elsewhere come 2021. But Marquise Brown, Antonio Brown's cousin, two touchdowns on Sunday. Miles Boykin, Mark Andrews, in my opinion, one of the more underrated tight ends. And obviously so many playmakers on the defensive side of the ball. Marcus Peters, Matt Judon, Patrick Queen, their first rounder, who they got from LSU. LJ Ford, who they got from the Steelers. Jihad Ward, Marlon Humphrey. That's the difference between the Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans, in my opinion, they might be the better offense, but their defense has been absolutely pathetic this year. Let's face it. I mean, this is a team, the 2020 Tennessee Titans. Obviously, we all know about Mike Vrabel. We all know those eight seasons as a linebacker for the New England Patriots, and we know how he got into coaching and he got he got the job with the Tennessee Titans in 2018. But listen, this – all right, here we go. The 2020 Tennessee Titans. Now, Monday night, week one, they beat the Denver Broncos 16-14. Since then, here's the points they have given up every single game. 30 against the Jacksonville Jaguars. 30 against the Minnesota Vikings. Then, of course, the COVID outbreak. Now, they did beat the Buffalo Bills 42-16, to but since then, they gave up 36 to the Houston Texans, 27 to the Pittsburgh Steelers, 31 to the Cincinnati Bengals, 17 to the Chicago Bears. I mean, that's, that's respectable, but 34 against the Indianapolis Colts. They beat the Baltimore Ravens November 22nd, 30-24 in overtime. Second time around with the Colts, they gave up 26. When they played the Cleveland Browns December 6th, they gave up 41 points. When they played the Jaguars the second time around, they beat them 31 to 10, but obviously they were tanking for Trevor at that point. It was obvious. You know, when you have Mike Glennon in at quarterback, and then eventually you bench him and put Gardner Minshew back in. Detroit Lions. They gave up 25 against Detroit. In the Sunday night game against the Green Bay Packers, week 16, they lost 40-14. to And this past Sunday, against the Houston Texans, they beat the Texans 41-38. Not a Mike Vrabel defense, and it's so cliche, but it's so true how the old saying goes, offense wins games, defense wins championships. And for as much talent and as high-powered as that Titans offense is, me personally, I feel like that's probably going to be the downfall of them. It could be either tomorrow or next week moving forward. But I feel like the Titans just not having a great defense, honestly, I don't feel like – I feel like that's what's going to prevent them from winning the Super Bowl this year. Sorry, Sean. Sorry, Gerald. You guys know how much I love the Titans. But that's just the way I look at it. And, of course, the other thing, too, their top receiver, A.J. Brown, you know, he was very, very limited in practice. 
he didn't practice at all on Thursday or Friday because of his knee and because of his hand. Now, granted, I do feel like he will play tomorrow, but you wonder how much of a hindrance that's going to be. I mean, he had 151 yards on a touchdown this past Sunday against the Houston Texans. You know, and Ryan Tannehill himself, you know, 216 yards and one touchdown. But you wonder, look back at the Titans run last year. Obviously, a lot of it was Derrick Henry. And, oh, my God, 250 yards and two touchdowns on Sunday against the Houston Texans. Becoming, joining that very, very elite club, 2,000 yards on the season. 2,000 rushing yards. So, obviously, this is Derrick Henry's season. I mean, he had 34 carries this past Sunday against the Texans. That had a huge part in their miraculous Cinderella story playoff run last year. 204 total yards against the New England Patriots, ending the dynasty right then and there. And then, of course, the game that he had against the Baltimore Ravens. But as we all remember, in the AFC Championship, Andy Reid did everything in his power you know, to stack the box and make sure that you know, they could contain Derrick Henry. And he had, didn't even come close to 100 yards on that day. So, obviously... The offense, this is Derrick Henry's season, and in my opinion, not only AFC Offensive Player, but I would say AFC, or excuse me, Offensive Player of the Year, without a doubt, either Derrick Henry or Devontae Adams. That's how I look at it. So I do feel like Baltimore, they have a much better defense. I still feel like Derrick Henry will have a miraculous game against them, but you wonder the status of A.J. Brown. And Jonu Smith, Johnny Smith only had one catch and eight yards against the Houston Texans. Corey Davis, you know, he is finally starting to live up to the potential this year. But, man, when I look at the Titans' defense, you know, Kenny Vaccaro, Malcolm Butler, Kevin Byard, one of the more underrated defensive backs in the NFL. But, I mean, Rashawn Evans, Daquan Jones, I mean, I just don't see – the potential that I know that defense has. I really don't. And what a what a throw by Ryan Tannehill at the end of the game Sunday evening against the Texans. You know, he asked Mike Vrabel, he said, do you want me to send it to overtime or do you want to try to win it now? He said, let's try to win it now. He said, throw a bomb to, to A.J. Brown. Sure enough, he caught it. And that set up the game-winning field goal from Sam Sloman, who was cut by the Rams, because Steven Gostowski, he was on the COVID list, but he has finally been taken off of the COVID list. He will be available tomorrow. But like I said, Baltimore's defense compared to the Titans' defense, this kills me having to make this pick. But I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens, 29-28, a last-second field goal by arguably one of the more clutch kickers in the NFL, Justin Tucker. Sorry, but that's, that's just the way I see it happening. 440 on CBS and Nickelodeon. That's right. Nickelodeon is going to have an NFL playoff game. The 12 and 4 New Orleans Saints hosting the 8 and 8 Chicago Bears. A game on Nickelodeon. You know, I can only imagine. I was kind of hoping that it was going to be the Steelers game just to see how much my dad would get riled up. (laughs) Especially with how much he hates SpongeBob SquarePants. Now, Sunday morning, this past Sunday morning, you know, we talked about Philip Rivers and all the retirement rumors, but Drew Brees, 21st season in the NFL, 20th season in the NFL, excuse me, Sunday morning on Twitter, I read a report 
that Drew Brees will more than likely retire after this season is over. And back in April, he signed a broadcasting gig with NBC Sports. Can only hope and pray that means that they'll get Chris Collinsworth finally out of there. Anyway, Drew Brees, obviously we know about the 11 cracked ribs and the punctured lung. The hit that he took November 15th against the San Francisco 49ers. And, you know, supposedly Taysom Hill that he might be the future quarterback for the New Orleans Saints when Drew finally does retire. And it's it's starting to sound more and more likely that this is going to happen. But this past Sunday, beating the Carolina Panthers 33-7, Drew had 201 yards and three touchdowns. Emmanuel Sanders, Jared Cook, Austin Carr. A lot of question marks around Michael Thomas. You know, he has been banged up most of the year, that ankle especially. But I think the bigger story more than anything was all of the Saints running backs were out. Alvin Kamara, he tested positive for COVID-19. Latavius Murray, he wasn't available. Now, Alvin Kamara will be available tomorrow. And I think that is going to make a huge, and I mean huge difference for them, no matter, I was going to say, no matter how good the Bears' defense has been. And Mitch Trubisky, I feel happy for him. I feel happy that he has had that chance at redemption. He got the starting gig back after losing it to Nick Foles. And let's not forget that the Chicago Bears and New Orleans Saints, back on November 1st, that game went to overtime. Granted, it was when Nick Foles was the quarterback, but still, I think everyone remembers how the Bears' defense, how they were able to somewhat contain Alvin Kamara for most of the game. And, you know, you look at Drew Brees, he's going to be 42 years old on January 15th. And like I talked about with Tom Brady being 43 years old, obviously, especially with with the cracked ribs and the punctured lung, you don't want to take those kind of hits. And you know that Khalil Mack and Danny Trevathan and Akeem Hicks, you know that they are going to be after Drew Brees this entire game. And of course, and of course, you know, Robert Quinn is another one that comes to mind. To Sean Gibson, you know, I feel like obviously, you know, Drew is, you see, you somewhat see a little bit of rust. So I wouldn't even be surprised if there is maybe one or two interceptions by the Bears defense. But of course, obviously, you know, with, with the Bears offense, I mean, Mitch Trubisky, you know, 200, all right, 252 yards against the Green Bay Packers, but they did lose 35 to 16. Starting to sound more and more likely like Aaron Rodgers is going to be NFL MVP. But obviously with the Bears, it's all about the running game. And David Montgomery, you know, 69 yards, but it's still he had a touchdown very early against the Green Bay Packers before the game got out of hand. You know, and, and Trubisky, I feel like he's got Mooney, he's got Cole Komet, Allen Robinson, this could more than likely be his last game with Chicago before he hits free agency. And, of course, Malcolm Jenkins, you know, back in New Orleans after some time in Philadelphia, and sure enough, two Super Bowl rings, one with the Saints, one with the Eagles. I feel like Malcolm Jenkins, I feel like he will get one interception of Mitch Trubisky before it's all said and done. I'm curious to see how much of the running game that they are going to use, obviously with Alvin Kamara being back and being fresh. Michael Thomas, I like I said, even if he does play, I think he's going to be very, very limited with, with that ankle injury. So Malcolm Jenkins, P.J. Williams, I feel like these two guys could create some turnovers. And, of course, Marshawn, Marshawn Lattimore, I mean, that's another one. And, of course, Cam Jordan, I think one of the more underrated 
pass rushers in the NFL. So I think when this is all said and done, I'm going to take the New Orleans Saints 30-23 to over the Chicago Bears. And like I said, Drew Brees, you know, 20 NFL seasons, those first five with the Chargers. And what a story. Obviously, as we all know, the shoulder injury, you know, his last game with the Chargers, week 17 of the 2005 NFL season, and how a lot of doctors were saying that he was done right then and there. And, of course, the Miami Dolphins, and I know this kills Miami Dolphins fans to this day. You know, a lot of question marks right now with Tua Tungavailoa. Is he really the future? I mean, this was a must-win game. All the Dolphins had to do on Sunday was win, and they were in as a wild card. And it, it could have knocked, you know, the Cleveland Browns or, or the Indianapolis Colts out. But a must-win game. Ryan Fitzpatrick not available because of COVID-19. And Tua... 23 incomplete passes, one touchdown to Malcolm Perry, but three interceptions. And obviously the Laramie Tunzel trade with the Houston Texans, the Texans having such a horrible year, and the Dolphins having that third overall pick. Do they take a quarterback again? Would this be another Josh Rosen story, which would be ironic? You know, Josh Rosen, he was a top 10 pick in the 2018 NFL draft with the Arizona Cardinals. And then sure enough, They have the number one pick in 2019. They get Kyler Murray, and they send him packing to Miami. And like Kyle Williams said, I mean, really, talk about a raw deal. I mean, Josh Rosen, I feel like I would love to see him get a chance at redemption somewhere else. Would that happen to Tua? I don't think it will. I think that they'll spend that third overall pick maybe on a receiver or some offensive lineman, as Boone always says. You know, you got to build those trenches. You really do. Offensive line and defensive line. Anyway. Drew, you know, the whole story with Nick Saban, they didn't really want to take a chance on him because of the shoulder. He went to New Orleans. This was after Hurricane Katrina, obviously. The Saints were 3-13. and Sean Payton had just got there. They took a chance, and the rest, as they say, is history. You know, Drew, this whole time throughout his career, in an era of Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers, to me, you know, everyone says that Alex Smith has sort of been like the Rodney Dangerfield of the NFL. He doesn't get enough respect. Honestly, there's times I feel like Drew Brees hasn't gotten the respect that he deserves. Great quarterback, even greater person, the things that him and his wife have done for the city in New Orleans. And it blows my mind that he never once in his career has been named NFL MVP. But you know what? It's like Mark Martin, ironically, who turned 62 today. You know, Mark Martin, he didn't win a championship. He finished second in the championship five times. And he said, the championships don't make the man. And that's the way I look at Drew Brees. I feel like his career will get extended one more a week. And if they win, you know, more than likely, they'll probably play the Seattle Seahawks. But like I said, nevertheless, I feel like Drew's legacy has been cemented. And finally... 8.15 tomorrow night on NBC and Telemundo and Peacock TV. Peacock TV, I was going to say, that's a pretty cool app. I know that Dale Earnhardt Jr., Lost Speedways, it's a great, great mini-series that they put together, him and Matthew Dillner, who works on the Dale Jr. download. Anyway, on NBC, Telemundo, and Peacock TV, the 12-4 Pittsburgh Steelers, Hosting the 11-5 Cleveland Browns, that's right, for the first time in 18 years. 
the Cleveland Browns are back in the playoffs. But tell me if you've heard this before. A lot of storylines going into this game because of COVID-19. Now, this past weekend, Mike Tomlin made the decision to give Ben Roethlisberger a weekend of rest, well-deserved weekend of rest, really, when you think of it, especially with the arm and the elbow coming off of such a major surgery, 17th NFL season. I mean, this is a guy that's going to turn 39 years old on March 2nd. So even though I disagreed with him getting the rest, I disagreed with him more than anything because Mason Rudolph was starting. If they would have had Josh Dobbs starting, honestly, I, I probably would have felt more confident, to tell you the truth. But nevertheless, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, he's back. He's fresh. He's rested up. And, you know, Mason Rudolph this past Sunday against the Cleveland Browns, I saw glimpses, but I still saw flaws. And, I mean, 17 incompletions, the one interception that he had. And, then I mean, the two touchdowns, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool. But to me, I've said it before and I'll say it again, I'm going to keep beating this horse as long as possible. Mason Rudolph, to me, is not the future of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'm kind of putting my foot in my mouth and everything because I was thrilled when they drafted him three years ago. But he showed me, you know, he showed me as far as the ceiling last year when he was the starter for a majority of the year. I just don't see it. To me, I see a guy that's still scared and still has a lot to work on as far as his mechanics go. I mean, at the end of the day, 315 yards, that's good. But 17 incompletions and one interception to me, not good enough. But obviously with the Pittsburgh Steelers, they have got to get this running game established. James Conner only had 37 yards on Sunday. Anthony McFarland Jr., 17 yards. Benny Snell, 10 yards. Unacceptable, in my opinion. And when they blew out the Cleveland Browns at Heinz Field, October 18th, 38-7, James Conner had... Well over 100 yards. It was a good balance. It was a really, really good balance. He had over 100 yards. Ben Roethlisberger, you know, Randy Fickner, he only had 162 yards on the day. But nevertheless, it's all about the playmakers on defense at this point. T.J. Watt, first team All-Pro, 15 sacks on the season. Him and Minka Fitzpatrick. Let's not forget that Minka had a pick six of Baker Mayfield October 18th. Let's not forget about that. Stephon Tuitt, Cam Hayward, these guys who just missed out on being first-team All-Pro. Tyson Alawalu, Mike Hilton, Vince Williams. I mean, this is – it's all going to come down to, like I said, defense wins championships. And, I mean, these are – I was going to say, I feel like both of them defensively, I feel like they both have very, very good units. But, obviously, you got to give the edge to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And especially, you know, Miles Garrett – He's somewhat questionable with the shoulder injury. But that's not the biggest story. The biggest story with the Cleveland Browns, aside from making the playoffs for the first time in 18 years, Kevin Stefanski, their head coach, the other day tested positive for COVID-19. He will not be available to coach this game. Mike Prefer, who is the special teams coach, he will be the interim head coach. So Kevin Stefanski, he's at home and... Joel Batonio, undoubtedly one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL. He tested positive for COVID-19 the same day. And I know a lot of people are feeling sorry for him, and understandably so. 
you know, when you're on the team when they were 1-15 and 0-16, and, and, and here you are, you finally make the playoffs and you can't play. But you know what? That's happened to so many other people too. Look at Derek Carr, for instance. You know, the Raiders in 2016, they make the playoffs for the first time in 14 years. But Derek Carr breaks his leg on Christmas Eve, and he can play in their wild card game against the Houston Texans. You know, you did, I was going to say, you didn't hear an outpouring of sympathy for, for Derek Carr like you've heard for Joel Batonio. I mean, granted, like I said, obviously, you know, you, you hope that, you know, <clears throat> you hope that obviously, you know, he, he gets, he, I mean, he'll get better and everything. But still, at the end of the day, this is no different than, it's not like they're the first team that's been affected by COVID. Let's face it. You know, and I'm getting so sick and tired of people like Skip Bayless, for instance. Obviously, we know his obsession with Baker Mayfield, aside from his obsessions, you know, with Tom Brady and the Dallas Cowboys and Kyler Murray and whatnot. But Skip Bayless, you know, he was saying that, oh, I'm picking the Steelers just because they don't have their head coach. Well, let me ask you this, Skip. You know, you, you, you gloat about Baker Mayfield all the time and everything. What about this past Sunday? You know, uh, Cleveland, they beat them 24-22. to Oh, they're back in the playoffs. Yeah, that's all well and good and everything, but no Ben Roethlisberger, no T.J. Watt, no Cam Hayward, no Marquise Pouncey. Why is it such a double standard? Seriously. You know, you, you say the Steelers are going to win. Oh, it's because Kevin Stefanski won't be there. It's because Joel Batonio won't be there. That's bull. Seriously. Why is it such a double standard? You know, put an asterisk next to the Steelers if they win. Oh, but don't put an asterisk next to the, to the Cleveland Browns who just barely beat the Steelers' JV roster, basically. Give me a break. Anyway. The success this year of the Cleveland Browns, it has been more about the running game than it's been about the passing game. I mean, Baker Mayfield only had 196 yards on Sunday against the Steelers. That touchdown, Austin Hooper. That one-two punch like I talked about, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Nick Chubb, 108 yards and a touchdown this past Sunday against the Steelers. And let's not forget, the first time they played each other back in October, he was not available for that game. He was on injured reserve for several weeks. You know, so Jarvis Landry, I'm curious to see how that matchup is going to be. Obviously, with the Steelers secondary having having some deficiencies in it. You know, Rashad Higgins, David Njoku, Donovan Peoples-Jones. I mean, they definitely have high-caliber weapons on the Cleveland Browns. And But like I said, Miles Garrett, there's questions about his shoulder. Ronnie Harrison, you know, he was placed on the COVID-19 list. So ultimately, when I look at this, and let's not forget about Cody Parkey. Cody Parkey, a kicker that you cannot trust whatsoever. I mean, really, when I look at both of these games, or I was going to say both of these teams, a lot of question marks with both kickers. You know, Chris Boswell, he had a hip injury back in December, and now his groin has been bothering him, and it's cost him a few games on the season. So obviously not really having much trust in Chris Boswell or Cody Parkey. You know, I think this game is going to be a lot closer than people expect it to be. It's going to be a lot closer than it should be. So with that being said, I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers 26-24. to And the interesting thing about this is the Cleveland Browns, 
Obviously, they have not made the playoffs very many times. First time since 2002. Before that, the last time they made the playoffs before 2002 was 1994, the year before Art Modell moved the team down to Baltimore, and they became the Ravens. Let's not forget about that. Anyway, 1994, the Cleveland Browns, coached by none other than Bill Belichick. And Bill, in the wild card round, beat his mentor, Bill Parcells of the New England Patriots. Also, the following week, going to Heinz Field, having to go up against Bill Cower and Blitzburg, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Sure enough, the Steelers prevailed 29-9. And obviously, there was a lot of hype going into 1995 for the Cleveland Browns, but obviously, once Art Modell announced that they were going to Baltimore, that really took the wind out of their sails. Anyway... So the Cleveland Browns, they made the playoffs in 2002 with Butch Davis. They go 9-7. and seven. They make it to the wild card round, and they play the Pittsburgh Steelers. How about that? And of course, it was that amazing, and I mean amazing, fourth quarter comeback by the Pittsburgh Steelers. They beat the Cleveland Browns 36-33. So, like I said, the last two playoff games that the Cleveland Browns have played, they've lost to the Steelers both times. So... Might as well make it three in a row come Sunday night. So, just a quick recap. Like I said, Kansas City Chiefs, Green Bay Packers, they are on buys because they are the number one seeds. So, my picks for wild card weekend. Buffalo Bills, 31-28 over the Indianapolis Colts. Seattle Seahawks, 28-13 over the Los Angeles Rams. Saturday Night Football. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 30. Washington football team, 13. Sunday, Baltimore Ravens, 29. Tennessee Titans, 28. Sorry, Sean. Sorry, Gerald. Just that gut feeling that I have. New Orleans, 30. Chicago, 23. And for Sunday night football, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth, 26-24. Pittsburgh, 26 Cleveland, 24. And real quick before we go, that was another interesting thing, too, that that I I should have brought up a little bit more. The Sunday night game with the Washington football team, the Philadelphia Eagles, and Doug Peterson pulling Jalen Hurts and putting in Nate Sudfeld. Talk about a head-scratcher. You know, and it's the whole thing, you know, you, oh, if you win, you get the ninth pick in, in the 2021 NFL, NFL draft. If you lose, you get the sixth pick in the 2021 NFL draft. <sighs> Why bench Jalen Hurts for Nate Sudfeld saying, oh, yeah, we want Nate to get some playing time? I mean, you're treating it like a preseason game. And I know Joe Judge, head coach of the New York Giants, I know that he was pretty pissed off about it. And while I understand that, you know, because obviously if the Eagles would have won, the Giants would have made the playoffs instead of the Washington football team as NFC East champions. While I understand that, at the same time, like Boone said, don't have to rely, don't be relying on someone else for your own fate. You know, you lost 10 games on the year. Focus more on those 10 losses instead of Doug Peterson benching Jalen Hurts for Nate Sudfeld. So, I mean, really it's a two-way street. I personally didn't agree with it. You know, I mean, you you put Jalen Hurts in as the starter for a reason. But to put in Nate Sudfeld, who is 
undoubtedly a third-string quarterback? Come on. So like I said, my picks, Buffalo over Indianapolis, Seattle over the Rams, Tampa over Washington, Baltimore over Tennessee, New Orleans over Chicago, and the Pittsburgh Steelers over the Cleveland Browns, 26-24. to So that'll do it for episode 38 of Jake's Take. I appreciate you guys tuning in once again. Enjoy the games this weekend, divisional weekend next week. Episode 39 will be out before you know it. Have a great day. Y'all take it easy.